Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join the discussion, email us at yogahour at unity.fm. Now, here's your host, Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'll be sharing with you today some insights and practices from the spiritual tradition of yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization. Yoga is a familiar word today, but many don't realize its spiritual meaning as oneness, union, or unity, referring to bringing our attention and our awareness to consciously abide in our essential spiritual nature, being aware of that which we truly are, being restored to our original wholeness. So yoga is self-realization. It is knowing this spiritual nature and then, of course, living in harmony with it. Today's topic is what dialogue can do, a nonviolent way to bring people together and build a culture of peace. And I'm delighted today that we have two guests on Yoga Hour, uh, the Reverend Dr. Bill Lesher, who is Emeritus Chair of the Parliament of the World's Religions, and Bob Weeks, uh, Director from Carry the Vision Nonprofit. The Reverend Dr. Bill Lesher has a long and distinguished career in promoting global interreligious dialogue. He spent 20 years as president of the Lutheran School of Theology in Chicago, where he helped establish the Chicago Center for Religion and Science. He was active in the centennial celebration of the Parliament of the World's Religions in 1993, and he's been closely connected to that work ever since. He served as an ambassador for the Council in preparation for the 99 Parliament in Cape Town, South Africa, and was convener of the 
2004 Parliament in Barcelona, Spain. He stepped down as the Council's Chair at the end of 2009 at the Melbourne um, Parliament. And along the way, Bill has been an advisor, trustee, consultant, and chair to numerous international interfaith and human rights organizations. You can find out more about the Parliament at parliamentofreligions.org. Welcome, Bill. I'm so glad you're with us today. Thanks so much, Ellen. And we are also joined by Bob Weeks, a graduate of UCLA and UCLA Law uh, School of Law. He's a former trial attorney with the Santa Clara County Public Defender's Office. Uh, Bob remains active in the legal profession, and he serves in the House of Delegates of the American Bar Association. His uh, commitment to nonviolence is deep, and it spans the decades for him from the Beyond War movement of the 1980s to carry the vision today. Bob's service to his profession and his community led him to being an Olympic torchbearer in 2002. He's a member of the board of directors of Carry the Vision, and you can find out more about Carry the Vision at carrythevision.org. Welcome, Bob. It's great to have you with us today, too. Uh, Glad to join you this morning. Thank you. And before we dive into our conversation, let's take a moment just for centering meditation. Let's open our hearts and our minds to divine omnipresence, recognizing one reality called by many names that is the support and substance of all that is. So right where we are right now, we affirm that this divine essence is present and that it is the source of true peace. Knowing this reality, we come to understand that we share in this life which is a divine life for every person and every being. So in this moment, let's just move our attention from the periphery of our awareness, from the great diversity of all things, from the movement of thoughts, and just let it rest in the core of our being where there is the peace that passes all understanding that is the spiritual peace it's not dependent on any condition so breathe in that peace this morning be anchored in peace Breathe out that peace. And let us commit ourselves to acknowledging that peace and bringing it forth in all of our interactions today.
have an opportunity today to take a look at why dialogue is important and what it can do in the practice of ahimsa or nonviolence. And we're going to uh, explore what the Parliament of the World's Religions has contributed towards this understanding. This year, people around the world are celebrating the 150th birth anniversary of the great sage Swami Vivekananda. And his appearance at the first Parliament of the World's Religions in Chicago in 1893 is important for many reasons, for practitioners of yoga uh, in the West and uh, really all over the world. He's, he's acknowledged as the one who, who paved the way for sages from India to come to America. Uh, he wasn't the first one, but he, he, he was tremendously influential and uh, reading about his appearance at that first parliament and the profound effect that he had on people. People came back day after day to hear him speak. And I want to just read a short paragraph from one of his seminal messages, um, and you'll get a sense of, of why this was so, the power of his words and the power of this vision. He, he closed his talk by speaking of humanity's history of violence and his hopes uh, for its end. Here is the words of Swami Vivekananda. Sectarianism, bigotry, and its horrible descendant fanaticism have long possessed this beautiful earth. They have filled the earth with violence, drenched it often and often with human blood, destroyed civilization, and sent whole nations to despair. Had it not been for these horrible demons, human society would be far more advanced than it is now. But their time is come, and I fervently hope that the bell that tolled this morning in honor of this convention may be the death knell of all fanaticism, of all persecutions with the sword or with the pen, and of all uncharitable feelings between persons wending their way to the same goal. That 1993 parliament is credited as the watershed event that opened the door to interreligious dialogue which is an essential part of um, practicing ahimsa or nonviolence and building a culture of peace in our world. Bill, you were there for um, the 1993 centennial that launched a series of modern world parliaments and brought forth um, the Council for Parliament of the World's Religions. So what do you see as the connection between the work that this interreligious body has done um, the Parliament of the World's Religions and um, building a culture of peace and nonviolence in our world. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, uh, uh, first of all, thanks, uh, uh, Reverend O'Brien, for this chance to be with you this morning. Uh, I was at the, uh, not the 1893, but the 1993 <laughs> Parliament. <laughs> yes. And uh, the 1993 Parliament, as you said, was a uh, a, a fantastic celebration. It was meant to be a centennial celebration, uh, mainly sponsored by Eastern religions that dated their founding to that, that uh, event in 1893 uh, in the city of Chicago. And uh, it turned out to be, <clears throat> as you say, the catalyst uh, for the modern uh, uh, interreligious movement. I was not a participant. In, I wasn't a planner. I was an infrequent participant because I was so busy tending to an institution at that time, which happened to be located in Chicago. 
But uh, I was there uh, from time to time through the event, and uh, the most spectacular image that I have of that uh, is really a fulfillment of the uh, theme of today, uh, a nonviolent way to bring people together uh, to build a culture of peace. Uh, I have an image of hundreds of people <laughs> standing waiting for elevators in the um, uh, in the Palmer House, which was the location of this uh, uh, centennial centennial event, and uh, the uh, hundreds of people that were there, actually uh, thousands of people, eight thousand eight thousand people attended, and uh, the elevators were so crowded and everything, but people waited in line without complaint because it was just a buzz of dialogue. People of all uh, races and backgrounds and beautiful costumes and plain costumes and all the religious re uh, regalia, they were there to talk to one another. And uh, uh, the the miracle of dialogue was just going on at every corner of that event in uh, 1993. Of course, there were the formal dialogues, too, where uh, structured dialogue took place. And then there were the uh, uh, opportunities for people to respond to addresses and all of that. But uh, uh, the whole event uh, <clears throat> was people coming together uh, in uh, uh, because they are uh, eager to uh, forward this nonviolent unity that you speak of. Mm, and it seems, you know, it more important than ever uh, today that, you know, where we find instances where, you know, religion is being used um, as a wedge to uh, divide people um, and to, you know, foment violence and hatred. And, and so it's so important that we have some ways that people of different religions are are actually coming together and and working together and it seems our our common goal um to find ways to live together in in peace um is a way that can can certainly um bring us together um i i know you have a favorite quote by Hans Kung and I, I would love to hear it from you this morning <laughs> and, and how it can, and how it has inspired you in this work well uh, th that also happened at this uh, first parliament that I attended in uh, 1993 in Chicago as you know there's a uh, uh, as a part of the uh, large parliament with eight or ten thousand people coming together for all kinds of activities there uh, uh, is also uh, often in most of the parliaments a uh, a smaller group called the Assembly, which uh, focuses on something specific. And in uh, in 1993, at the Centennial Parliament, the specific that was being focused on was uh, Hans Kung, uh, a German theologian who had spent a number of years prior to that traveling the world and dialoguing with religious communities uh, to develop what uh, uh, was called the Global Ethic. And uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful document uh, uh, that um, uh, Kung says uh, is actually what religions already have in common, <laughs> the ethical values that are already there to be implemented and to be applied in the business community, in the medical community, in the educational community, and so on. So uh, that's the document that was being discussed, about eight or ten pages long. I call it the 21st century, the Ten Commandments for the 21st century. Mm -hmm. And when he presented that uh, to... Uh, the group, he did it with these words, there will be no peace on earth until there's peace among the religions of the world. And uh, it's a, a famous quote now, 
it uh, struck me as the definition of the rest of my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, just uh, it rang with such clarity and such truthfulness. Uh, religions are not the cause of a lot of violence, but they can so easily become co-opted in the world in which we live. And what I'm so optimistic about, uh, Ellen, at this particular point in history is that uh, events like the Parliament, the Parliament is just one example of this, but people are getting together here and there around the world in increasing numbers and building, the, uh, experiencing this uh, boundary crossing and breaking down the fears of being together with one another. That's happening. It's happening all over the world. And uh, the Parliament is a, is a massive uh, uh, example of that network building that's going on. And that is coming home to be helpful at this moment in history. And if I could just take one little example to, to, to give you that, uh, would that be helpful? Yes, that would be great. Please do. Uh, we had an event here in uh, in my community. I live in Claremont, California, and in a close-by community, a mosque is uh, being built. It hasn't been started yet, but at the construction site, uh, several months ago, uh, uh, in the middle of the night, uh, uh, a pickup truck went by and dumped out uh, three uh, pig legs, in the uh, on the construction site in the driveway of the construction site as a as an act of uh, abuse and violence and uh, and uh, hate and uh, it was just a paralyzing to this small uh, Islamic community and the many of us who have supported the, the building of that mosque over the last uh, couple of years. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> the fact is that two people were involved in a destructive act in a act of hate and violence. Uh, I talked to the uh, person who serves as the uh, leader of that community a a few weeks ago, and he said, uh, uh, two people created this problem, and 500 people have responded Mm. (laughs) with their support and their letters and their presence, and they came to break the fast with us uh, for the rest of the nights of Ramadan and so on. So uh, my hopefulness uh, is that so this dialogue that's taking place around the world, and these networks that are being built, are uh, are are showing their strength uh, when we have these acts of hatred. And and I'm very I'm uh, uh, the, 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 to me the great story of interfaith movement today is not that hate happens. That's been going on in the world over, and religions have been an object of that for a long time. But it's the it's the uh, interfaith pushback <laughs> that mm-hmm. is absolutely new and happening with ever greater numbers. Yes, and the, and that as we we work together um, to build those bridges in times um, you know where we're not stressed, you know that allows exactly. us then you know to bring forth uh, an appropriate response when when stress arises. Uh, when we come back from the break, um, we'll we'll take a. a, a uh, additional looks at, at what's really making a difference and what is inspiring us about this. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with guests uh, Bill Lesher and Bob Weeks, and uh, we'll be right back with you. We'd like to take a moment to encourage you, as part of our Unity Online radio family of listeners, to support this ministry through a love offering. 
For your convenience, you can make one-time or recurring monthly donations. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for your support. Are you feeling trapped by a situation you can't control? Don't know where to find help? Do you wonder if help even exists? It does, and it's always been there for you, hidden inside the ancient New Testament story of Lazarus. Unity Books invites you to unlock the secrets to peace and healing in The Lazarus Blueprint, new from best-selling authors Mary Alice and Richard Jafola. Marvel as they unveil six steps for overcoming seemingly impossible situations. Read about people like you who've used the steps to triumph over personal illness, financial hardship, and even the loss of a loved one. The Lazarus Blueprint offers a fresh new approach for fixing anything in your life. With steps so universal, timeless, and powerful, they can work for everyone. Make it your turning point. Get The Lazarus Blueprint today, online at unitybooks.org. From on the air to on the sea, pack your bags and come with me. Hey, hey, what you waiting for? An early winter rendezvous with all the things you love to do. Hey, hey, treat yourself to more. A little more summer, a little more sun, a little less work and a lot more fun. A little more beach, a little more sand. A little less stress and a lot more pain. Join your favorite Unity Online Radio hosts for Cruise in the Caribbean, November 10th to 17th, 2012. On this fun-filled Caribbean adventure, enjoy sunshine, exceptional dining, and island excursions. Feed your spirit with music, message, and meditation, plus one-on-one time with some of your favorite hosts. That's Cruise in the Caribbean, November 10th to 17th, 2012. To learn more, go to unity.fm slash cruise. A little more sunset, a little more sea, a little less do and a lot more Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and my guests today are the Reverend Dr. Bill Lesher and Bob Weeks. Uh, We've been talking about um, how the practice of ahimsa or nonviolence uh, shows up in the interreligious movement, particularly through um, dialogue, through engagement. And in our last segment, um, Reverend Lesher was talking about how um, in the response to 
violence in our world, what we've seen lately that has been a great source of hope and inspiration is this rising tide of, of cooperation that we really, you know, wouldn't have seen a decade ago, but it, because it is the, really the fruit of lots of work that's going on on the ground as people are uh, connecting in ways um, that they never connected before, you know, coming out of their silos and their, you know, their uh, individual communities and building connections across uh, communities. Um, Bob, you, um, I know I, I saw you there at the uh, 2009 World Parliament in Melbourne. Um, what did you see there that uh, showed you that this is happening and that's inspired your work for nonviolence? Well, in a short, it was like living in paradise for a week. Uh, as Bill has mentioned, people waiting patiently for the elevator. Uh, we had the same experience there. And to see people from around the world in their uh, costumes or no costumes, their religious dress. And what I took away was around the world, there are thousands of people who don't necessarily dress like I do or you do or speak the same language. But they are all working together for peace. And there are religions and groups of people that are in a 100 countries that I'd never heard of. Mm. So then to meet individuals, I stuck up a friendship with the imam from Baltimore, young man from Bangladesh, and came home with a poster from published by Canada that has the golden rule in 13 different religions. So yeah. the commonality that uh, Bill referred to in that global ethic is also reflected in that. Yes, uh, the, the Scarborough missions and they they do a beautiful work putting that together. And I, I do want to mention that if people have not heard of the global ethic and they want to know more about it, you can find it, that document online and it is indeed, um, very inspiring. Um, Bill, let's go back to you because you've, you've had this, this, um, engagement now, you know, for, um, many decades with the interreligious movement through the parliament and other avenues. And how has this work changed you, your your view of the wor- world, or, and how have you seen it changing the lives of others? Uh, yeah, well, it's uh, <laughs> it's almost hard to uh, identify uh, how I have changed because uh, it, it's uh, it's sort of as if I've grown up with this movement, mm-hmm. uh, like so many people. Uh, uh, I think uh, certainly there were pioneers before this, but. Uh, in uh, 1993, when uh, when we were uh, joined together in Chicago for the Centennial Parliament, uh, uh, th- th- this was a breakthrough in my uh, spirituality, my insight, my my uh, religious motivation and sense of mission. All these things, and as I mentioned, the Kung quote, uh, uh, it makes sense that if religions can't establish peace between themselves, who else can be expected to? You know, mm-hmm. uh, so so. Uh, so I was uh, five years away from retirement at that time, and I said, "When I when I get relieved of some of the tasks of institutional administration, I'm going to give myself more fully to this uh, this work." So, uh, so I've done that, and uh, and as you mentioned in the introduction, it's just grown and become more and more involved in in the parliament. But uh, for myself personally, I think that I've become absolutely committed. Uh, and to the idea that uh, as religious communities uh, are are tasked today, and many are doing this, so it's not as if it's not being done, but reaching out, crossing boundaries, learning about one another, developing respect and uh, 
knowledge and familiarity with people of other religious traditions. Number one, that is what everybody can do. Every one of our spiritualities can do that. And uh, it is uh, a missional task for the 21st century here uh, as, a, as a basic minimum. Uh, you know, we're terribly ignorant of each other uh, and of, of what is sacred and precious and so on. Uh, out of that, of course, comes the discovery that uh, while we do things very differently, there's a core of similarity there. A second major area is contacting people, real people, from other religious traditions. Uh, you know, somehow we are fearful of that and uh, of, of, uh, of people who are different, people who are different. But once we break the barrier of that in the interreligious community, and religious events are all aimed at helping us to do that and uh, discovering that our common humanity is greater than our religious differences. That is a profound discovery. And then the third action is to uh, do uh, what you're doing so beautifully in your community and in, in San Jose is attempting to find those places where uh, our common knowledge of each other, our respect for each other, and uh, and the network that we've built can be focused on, on the problems of our communities, our nation, our world, and so on. So uh, I've grown in a commitment that that threefold movement is, is the mission of every religious community in the 21st century. It really is, and I think um, recognizing the different world that we live in today, you know, through uh, immigration and uh, migration of populations, um, certainly in the uh, large metropolitan areas throughout the world, um, there's a diversity like we've never seen before. And so, I have a um, wonderful word uh, that maybe your listeners would like to to coin or, or to adopt. Uh, you know Diana Eck, who is uh, head mm-hmm. of the religion, the pluralism project at Harvard University. Uh, she. Uh, she was responding to one of her colleagues who wrote a book called The Clash of Civilizations and maintained that in the future there will be pockets here of Islam and pockets here of of, uh, of Hinduism and Eastern religions and Western religions and so on, and that they will be in clash with one another. And she, her response was, oh, you're so wrong. The world is not that way anymore. She said, we have become marbleized. <laughs> you think of a piece of marble with the colors flowing in and out of each other. That's the way every city is, every community practically, you know. And we live in a marbleized world, and uh, and there, uh, there's a different requirement. Yes, it's it's really true, and then it, and it shows up in interesting ways for people. And I was re- recently in uh, Birmingham, and just on the on the uh, car ride on the way in there, we were talking to the driver about well, what's it like in Birmingham, and um, and you know, she started to tell us about um, you know the riots that had occurred there um, last year um, that had spread from the violence in in London, and and you know how it showed up in 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 ethnic and uh, clashes with the youth and ethnic groups and religious groups and so on and so forth and and it, and it led to a conversation of course um, for me about what interreligious work can do and and she had never really even heard of it and she was curious yes. and, and and she was and she was um, 
and I and I shared with her an example of a, a group in um, South Africa that had brought the religions together to talk about how they could educate their community because people were upset that um, they were starting to have halal um, stamps on food in the market. And people didn't know what it meant, and they didn't want mm-hmm. want that on their food. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, I mean, this is just something that comes out of a, a growing presence of a community. People are very used to having, I think, you know, today, used to having a kosher stamp on food, and it seems probably just fine. But halal stamp was very new. And, and then she, this yeah. driver told me, you know, that she definitely didn't, um, didn't understand that. And... Um, um, yes. <laughs> you know, thought it would be helpful if she did. So just in even those small ways um, that we can educate and learn about different customs and, you know, how they're affecting uh, our, our way of life um, yes. today. Yes. I, uh, you know, I have, a, I have a vision of the future, and this was my hope. Uh, at the at the Melbourne Parliament, you know, and the great Parliament that we had in 2009 in Melbourne, Australia, and uh, people ask, well, what's your hope for this Parliament? And I said, well, uh, one of them at least is that uh, uh, the press will wake up to what's happening here, <laughs> and and that there will be on the front page of the New York Times and the L.A. Times and major newspapers and minor newspapers across the world a. a, a a picture of thousands of people from all the different faiths working together for the common good. That hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, that's will. what we're working for, to, to demonstrate that, that while, uh, while there is always a, a fringe of many religious communities that are going to be in contention and uh, still think of themselves as exclusive having an exclusive relationship with the divine, more and more uh, uh, religious communities through the interfaith movement and, and through their own traditions are discovering the richness of, 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 a, of the variety of ways in which God has manifested uh, the reality of life to all of us in, in different ways, mm-hmm. traditionally mm-hmm. and historically and culturally. Uh, uh, and... Uh, and to, to, to get the message across that religions are not inherently uh, antagonistic toward one another, but more and more uh, they, are, they are a source of hope and peace and concord and good sense and judgment and respect and peace on earth. <laughs> that kind of Absolutely. And I mean, that is, that is our hope, our hope for them. And, and I think, you know, one of the things about dialogue um, between um, people of different beliefs is that it, it's helpful to understand the context of, you know, what we're looking for in dialogue, which is we're, we're really looking um, for a greater understanding and we're, we're looking to build bridges where they can be built and you know i think sometimes people don't want to engage in dialogue you know with the other out of fear that um it's the other person or the other group is out to convert them you know to their point of view and um you know there's a kind of violence that's inherent in that so it's really helpful as we we help people uh you know, understand that that dialogue is is not about 
changing um, people's beliefs, but it is about understanding them, and it is about finding ways. Um, you know where we where we find points of convergence, where we po- find points of harmony. You know that will allow us um, to work together. Exactly, exactly, and I think uh, I think uh, you know when you think about the fact that we have been. Uh, living in uh, separation uh, for centuries, and uh, it has really just been in the last uh, a couple hundred years that there's even been uh, any any contact between these uh, in any numbers between these parts of the world. The only contact was adventurers and explorers, and then we got to uh, commercial interests and so on. But today. The intermingling that we've talked about is ubiquitous, you know. It's uh, just so that process has taken place, and uh, so uh, uh, it's 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 going to take some time to uh, negotiate all of these uh, different uh, 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 traditions that we have built up. As I mentioned before, I think that that uh, all religions have a have a sense of exclusivism about them. And there's nothing wrong with having that sense that 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 this is the pathway for me, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. But mm-hmm. then the discovery that uh, that there are paths that are uh, that are culturally and psychologically and uh, uh, ethnically uh, diverse from mine, and there are other ways that this same reality has been manifested. You know, is an inspiring kind of thing, not a mm-hmm. negative kind of thing. And once we get that mm-hmm. kind of feeling, then. Uh, other people's experience, other people's spirituality becomes an adventure, not a threat, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and that is so important. And then I think, you know, just um, being able to have curiosity and respect um, for the beliefs um, and practices of someone from a different tradition uh, can help us then look for how how do we work together you know we don't we don't have mm-hmm. to change our religion to be able to work with someone from another tradition and i think that's what the interreligious movement is showing today um that we can find a, a places of of common ground and you know what some of the uh, religious communities are doing in their interreligious work as you mentioned uh in, in terms of what happened there in Claremont you know so there's a there's a point of agreement that we're going to stand for uh honoring and respect of each other's traditions and not allow violence against um you know, someone else's religion. So, um, you know, they're not necessarily agreeing on the points of practice in the religion, but they're coming together yeah. to say, you know, we're going to stand for uh, nonviolence and respect uh, in our community. And um, that's, that's a beautiful outpicturing of this. You know, I have a, I have a little uh, way of, uh, of flipping the process. Many times uh, I hear people say, well, we have to get to know people and we have to agree before we can work together. <laughs> I say, no, <laughs> we have to discover each other's common humanity. We all are concerned about the education of our children. We're all concerned about the environment. We're all concerned about uh, the potholes in the street or whatever they are, local issues and national issues and international issues. We're concerned about these things. If we can get to the point where we work together and then in the process of working together, Find out now 
as a Sikh or a Jain or, uh, or a Christian or a Buddhist, why are you interested in doing this? That's a much more interesting discussion than a discussion before we've worked together uh, uh, to talk about what do you believe. Uh, absolutely and and you know and that, why we're why we're all filled with compassion and working together uh, for the common good we yeah. all come with that uh, out of our spirituality uh, in different ways but in very um, profound ways and that really has been my experience with this work that when we when we're able to sit down and and share what we care most deeply about you know we find the commonality in in our humanity and uh, the ways in which you know we are are dedicated uh, to our spiritual practices to help us be better human beings, and so um, that's a beautiful um, vision. And um, Bill, I know that that you're going to leave us just uh, after this next break, and so in our last segment, we'll um, be able to hear um, from Bob, but. Before we go to the break, um, just to just check in with you, uh, any last words that you would like to offer our listeners about um, building a culture of peace? Well, uh, just very quickly, uh, uh, I, uh, I think that uh, my experience uh, at these huge uh, parliament events uh, that have taken place every four or five years uh, has, uh, has been one level of experience, and they're wonderful, and they happen like the experience you're going to have in San Jose in a week. Uh, but wherever people gather together in larger numbers, there's inspiration, there's knowledge, there's education, all these kind of things, you know, that are so necessary because many of us labor uh, in, in, in situations where we uh, need that kind of inspiration, need that kind of support, and the many voices uh, because sometimes we feel uh, sort of lonely. But my, my insight is that uh, those... Mountaintop experiences uh, are wonderful, and they're absolutely essential, but it's what happens back home that really makes a difference. It's what happens uh, at the local mosque or at the uh, uh, local school district or uh, whatever where people of faith gather together to address uh, the common human needs. So it's, uh, it's wonderful to be involved in the mountaintops. Uh, but it's what happens uh, back when we're uh, in our home situations that uh, is really, really, really making the difference in where the hope of the interfaith movement resides. Yes, thank you so much for that vision and that really that call um, to uh, get, really get to know our neighbors and to be active in our our communities right where we are. Uh, and I want to thank you, um, Bill, for being with us this morning and, and point our listeners to uh, parliamentofreligions.org if they want to learn more about the parliament. Uh, thank you so much uh, for being with us today, and I look forward to seeing you at the conference next week. Wonderful. I do, too, and uh, thanks for this opportunity. Good morning. And Bye-bye. And uh, you're listening to the Yoga Hour, and we'll be back um, for our last segment with Bob Weeks. We'll learn a little bit more about carrying on this vision and how to build a culture of peace through nonviolence. We'll be right back. If you've ever wondered how a specific Bible verse might be interpreted metaphysically, then Interpret This is for you. In Interpret This, Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley answers your questions about the Bible and how to apply its verses to your life with passion, depth, and spiritual insight. 
To submit a question or to enjoy any of his numerous metaphysical interpretations, visit unity.org and click on the Interpret This box. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at yogahour at unity.fm, and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien. And our program today is focused on nonviolence, building a culture of peace. In our first two segments, we were um, speaking with the Reverend Dr. Bill Lesher, who had to um, go off to a meeting, and we're finishing up with our other guest, um, Bob Weeks. And um, we've been talking about the di- about dialogue and the experience of the dialogue process at the World Parliament in Barcelona in 2004 was what inspired me. Uh, to bring that process to our greater community in San Jose and it's become an important part of our work called Carry the Vision um, that has developed into an educational nonprofit organization focused on ahimsa or nonviolence education. Carry the Vision sponsors a community conference, which, as we've mentioned, is, is coming right up next week. Um, for information about it, you can go to carrythevision.org. And, um, you know, for me, I think these great uh, global convenings that, you know, Bill was mentioning send out seeds of inspiration that can start up works in communities uh, all over the world. And certainly Carry the Vision grew out of a combination of, of influences. As a spiritual community, um, we had practicing yoga. We were studying the teachings of Ahimsa, and we had spent a year in small uh, home study groups discussing, you know, how each of us in our own lives builds a culture of peace. And then we had our first uh, public event, a gathering in a local park with uh, several speakers in 2003, followed by our first conference in 2004. So what, what we really discovered, though, that I found fascinating was that it was 
possible and fairly easy to convene people from all different segments of the community around the topic of nonviolence. Um, regardless of people's differences, there's a core interest in finding ways to live together harmoniously so that we all can um, prosper. So, Bob, how has your own interest in the work of nonviolence uh, grown and changed over time, and why is it important to you? Well, let me answer the second question first. Uh, I have two grandchildren, Zoe and Max. They're 10 and 8, and uh, they are my main uh, source of inspiration for this. But beyond that, uh, all the children of the world, as Bill mentioned earlier, we all want to see a future for our children, to see them well-fed, well-educated, growing up in a safe environment, to be the best they can be in their life. And my experience in the work on interest in nonviolence kind of intertwines with my legal career as I reflect on it, kind of moved from being a cold warrior to a spiritual warrior over a period of about 25 years. And uh, what I observed in uh, my work in the public defender was the effects of violence in the schools, in the home, on the streets, in the workplace, and uh, the futility of that. I represented about 13 people charged with homicide. And when asked to reflect on that, viewed that uh, violence really hadn't resolved any conflict. Violence doesn't do that. It may decide things, but it does not resolve things. And that really, as lawyers, our highest calling is nonviolent resolution of conflict and healers of the body politic. So that led me into study more of negotiation because most cases are negotiated rather than go to trial. And we talk about that as dialogue. That's uh, the similar process. We work with people who don't like each other, don't see things, see things the same way. But it begins by listening and listening to what people really are concerned about. Not so much their position, but what is their interest in the matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so how do you see, I mean, I can hear the, 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 the stream of it in there. You know, how, how, how did that come to you, this connection, you know, beyond seeing it in your vocation, seeing nonviolence as part of your spiritual journey? Well, I was struck, uh, again, years ago in my career by the line in uh, the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And so I began to see my role as peacemaker and uh, I developed in myself then a more peaceful attitude, less judgmental, and ability to work with people of different views and find that conflict is actually energizing and usually results when a pro- the dialogue process works and a better result than either person could have seen perhaps individually. Mm, that's powerful, isn't it? You know, so often, you know, we, we find that, that people either want to stay away from conflict, you know, altogether, and they see that, you know, as nonviolence. Um, but, but really it isn't, you know, when you study, uh, Dr. King or Cesar Chavez or, or Gandhi, you, you find that they all understood that conflict, uh, rightly, um, addressed um, is the way, just as you have said, that we can find uh, new solutions that weren't obvious to us before. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other, in terms of the, the spiritual journey, I see that uh, it's the non-bias is the central principle, and there's a remarkable uh, agreement on that, whether you start with the Vedic tradition or Ahimsa, as we're talking about harmlessness, that one established in harmlessness experiences no enmity from any living creature, 
or the Bible and the Old Testament, thou shalt not kill, or the New Testament, blessed are the peacemakers, love your neighbor as yourself. And even General Douglas MacArthur at the end of World War II said a statement very remarkable, the same as you quoted earlier from Vivekananda, recounting man's ability or inability to reach peace and okay with individuals, but in larger groups, not so much. And that what we needed was a spiritual reawakening uh, and concluded something. It must be if the spirit, if we would save the flesh. Mm-hmm. And what, so, Bob, you've been working, you know, many years. I, I know because I know you personally. I know you um, started, um, got very engaged with the Beyond War movement, and um, and then today, of course, you're serving with Carry the Vision. And um, so, what is the vision that that you hold? Um, for, for what is possible in our world through the power of nonviolence based on the work that you've done over the years, the experiences that, you, that you've had, what is the vision that you carry with you? I think the, the vision is really unlimited. The possibilities for the human spirit, and we've talked about the commonality of people, and we've had the privilege of traveling all over the world to see people, and they all pretty much want the same thing. And I think we can have that uh, for each person to reach their highest potential, to see your children grow up uh, free from the scourge of war, to be well-fed and well-educated, and that each person is really a, a light in the world, and that combined, those lights can just light up the whole world. And we talk about in the Carry the Vision to create communities of nonviolence that light the world. Mm. So the possibilities are really beyond our imagination. And what inspired you in particular about about your work with um, with Carry the Vision? And you certainly, you and your uh, wife Nancy, who are both on the board, have been you know very dedicated to this community work. And um, so, you know, why is that for you? What um, you know, what really inspires you about this? Work on the ground. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, I like that expression. Uh, the, the quote I've got on my desk is, do what you can with what you have where you are, from Teddy Roosevelt, uh, similar to what Bill was talking about earlier. I've been reflecting on my own transformation, as I said, from being growing up in the Cold War and uh, hating the communists and wanting to bomb them into the last century, to mm-hmm. carrying the Soviet Union flag in a pageant in San Francisco in 1976 and doing it with pride, and then seeing what other people have done who have come to uh, been involved in the uh, Carry the Vision uh, conferences we've had to their personal commitment that we asked them to make, including, you know, I'm going to go to visit other faiths to learn about them. I'm going to be respectful to my adult children and grandchildren. And the dramatic example, a young woman who wanted to teach young, other young women that they had choices, and she found that a group and now travels the country uh, talking to young women about the choices they have in their lives. So that, to me, is tremendously inspiring to see people. And I I did talk to someone recently who did ask me a question and said, well, isn't that kind of utopian? And I said, well, I think what's utopian is to think that we can go on trying to do things with violence and expect a peaceful outcome. Mm. And the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. 
That's a, that's a beautiful way to uh, explain that that we're really looking for. Uh, it's not what the world would call um, sanity, but it, when you look at it clearly, um, it is a clear vision of what is possible. When you know the truth about what we are and um, how we actually can live together. Thank you so much, Bob, um, for joining us today on the Yoga Hour. It's really been a delight to have you um, and Dr. Lesher with us today. Thank you very much for the opportunity. And for more information about um, the Carry the Vision Community Nonviolence coming up on September 29th, visit uh, carrythevision.org. Listen in next week uh, for another related program on AHIMSA called AHIMSA 101, Insights and Practices for Nonviolent Living Today with special guest Michael Negler. Uh, To sign up for our upcoming uh, Live the Eternal Way course, which is available globally online, you can visit our website, csecenter.org. And I have a reminder that Yoga Hour is on Facebook now, so um, please do what you're supposed to do with Facebook. Help us get the word out by liking us. And uh, I look forward to being with you next time. Until then, remember to let your inner light shine into the world and to share your peace and your joy with all that you meet. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. Did you know that most of us operate on autopilot and don't even realize it? In fact, psychologists suggest automatic behavior has become the rule of thumb these days. Jesse Harriet wants to talk with you about how to make the switch from barely thriving and functioning to living a fully functioning, conscious, and purposeful life. The all is mind, and so are you. Call in with your questions and comments for Jesse Live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Central Time on Living on Purpose, where we blend psychology and ancient wisdom. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Take a moment now to reflect on these words from Rev. Joan Gattuso. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies, either minuscule or outrageous, for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. A noble being will always tell the truth. Do you? Begin now with the first step of simply noticing if you do tell the truth immediately, 
or if your first instinct is to alter the facts a bit. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Is there a difference between the spiritual teachings you know and how you live your life? Does your day-to-day experience reflect what you truly value? Are you ready to receive your life and live the gift that you are? Join Janice Campbell, licensed Unity teacher, author, and coach each week as she shares inspiration and tools to help you identify and dissolve the limiting beliefs that prevent you from living the fullest expression of what you are. Talk with Janice live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central on Receive Your Life, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. 